Hello and welcome to the next episode in our Diversity Faculty podcast series. I'm Laurie Ollivant and I'm joined by my fellow Diversity Faculty members, Simon Kerr Davis, Nehal Rao and Daniel Danso. In today's podcast, we're going to look at how DNI fits into ESG. It's really topical at the moment, so with increased pressure from investors, the media, consumers and the wider workforce, it's high up on the agenda as an issue for board and management across many organisations. As different governments have pledged their net zero plans and targets, the pressure is increasingly trickling down to the regulators and private organisations to try and achieve some of those targets, but in different ways. And this isn't necessarily all about the E. The social limb of ESG is frankly massive and can cover a huge variety of different societal and workplace issues. And many believe that diversity and inclusion falls very neatly within that social limb. But the social limb is also the less tangible limb of the three, and it's much harder to measure. So we often find that diversity and inclusion can be referred to as one of the more measurable metrics of that social limb. So the first question on the back of that really is, does DNI need to fit into the E, S or G? Where does it fit and does it matter where it fits? I'll take that one. Um, I, I mean, I think if you, if you think about it, DNI, they help businesses maintain its largest commodity, its human resources, you know? Um, DNI and ESG is about building a sustainable workforce, like, like it is a sustainable environment or a sustainable governance. Um, that includes governance, culture, moving the mechanics of the business, managing the relationships with community and talent streams. And I think, you know, from my perspective, these social forces, things like racism, sexism, homophobia, the stuff that we're now kind of balancing, lack of lack of work balance and those things we're, we're dealing with, those things were there well before there was a term called ESG. Um, and I think using the lens of DNI, you can see that people are at the heart of every element of ESG. I mean, people are those affected by environmental changes. People are those that are impacted by how a company engages its social standing. And people are ultimately impacted by how a company governs itself. So personally, I don't care if it's part of ESG or not. Um, aligning it to something that is driving businesses is great for me. Because I think when we were just trying to get people to think about their culture and to think about, you know, changing their behaviors and their systems to create equity and balance. People, businesses weren't doing it on its own. So now that it's got something that they can align to, fine, do it. I agree. I think the phrase or the concept of ESG uh, lends a useful legitimacy to DNI. Uh, for me, ESG represents that suite of things that businesses need to pay attention to in order to be good corporate citizens. So it is about what do we need to do in order to do the right thing by the environment, by the people, by, you know, in terms of governance and being responsible. So I think it is a very useful category to have. And I think that slotting DNI under that umbrella, uh, if it does give it more weight, uh, then, you know, that, that's a very helpful category for the, the leaders to pay attention to. So if I was to extrapolate that even further, you know, in the past, businesses used to have a very clear commercial driver and that was what motivated them. ESG is now saying you have other drivers as well. You have responsibilities and they should also be your drivers. So it's really important to look at that uh, as well. I agree with all of that, but I, I think there's a degree of sort of fretting about which heading does this particular thing yeah, sure. sit under. So, mm -hmm. you know, for, for example, health and safety 
traditionally seen as an environmental issue, but it fundamentally affects people. So is it is it in the E? Is it in the S? It's also a governance point, because if you've got bad, bad health and safety, you're going to have bad governance. So a lot of issues straddle, I think, all of these E, S and G. So all of the articles that we're seeing at the moment about let's put the S back in ESG, I don't think it ever left. I think it's always been the case that a lot of these issues fed across all three of those strands as as you say, questions of pure responsibility. So how are we seeing the businesses that we work actually use DNI within ESG? I mean, Daniel, what's your perspective? It's, it's interesting because, you know, we were doing work on diversity and inclusion, you know, well before ESG was a, a term or even something that is now being linked to it. Um, and so for me, like my work hasn't changed. It, it hasn't like no one's going, well, ESG, what's going on, Daniel? You know, I'm I'm still creating the race strategy, moving the culture, still talking to, you know, partners and trying to move them. And it, it is the same amount of work for me. So it it again, it doesn't it doesn't change the it doesn't change the way that our work is done. It's just changing what a company wants to badge it or call it. I think it's also really noticeable when you look at how um, diversity and inclusion is reported on in companies' annual reports. Almost invariably, there's a separate freestanding diversity and inclusion report, which was probably something that had started a while ago. It has its own machinery, its own mechanics, probably its own workforce working on it. And there is this risk of sort of separation from the rest of the ESG reporting, which which feels a little bit wrong. So it leads to a kind of a cross-referencing approach to a separate document, um, which may not be the best way to present the the data. No, and I I do foresee that's going to have to change probably in the near future because investors are increasingly asking their companies to report on ESG. And so, frankly, it's not going to stack up for them to just include a cross-reference to an annex or a different schedule somewhere else, which has probably been drafted by someone else, doesn't even describe the same issues. Um, and doesn't marry up with what is being said elsewhere. And I think we also have to bear in mind that in 2020, the Financial Reporting Council issued criticisms around the way that culture and diversity in particular were being reported on, which indicates a big change. But let's cover that in another podcast at another time. Yes, let's definitely cover that in a separate one. I, I, have, I mean, this is not a question, but it's just a thought that I'm having. You know, remember when... DNI was this kind of fluffy elective that sat outside of HR and it was something that we did when times are good and times you know you know and, and now when times are tough or you know it's it's not the first thing that people are thinking about um, do you think that putting it in ESG has changed that for some of these businesses I think it has given it as I said before I think it it, that phrase, that concept of ESG that's been introduced, that's taken off, that's really you know captured a lot of leaders' attention. I think that has lent a lot of legitimacy to DNI because the same way that businesses look at their responsibilities to the environment uh, and to having you know good governance structures, they are also considering what are my responsibilities to people, the people in my organisations, in the communities in which I operate. Uh, I don't think that factored very high in businesses thinking before DNI entered the arena and putting it under that that banner of you know these are the things you need to do in order to be a good corporate citizen uh, it, it it makes a lot of sense in terms of a category as Simon said I don't think it matters whether it falls under the ES or G limb that's splitting hairs but giving it a useful category 
uh, I think is is helpful for the cause. So personally, I, I, I don't mind it sitting under the ESG banner. But isn't there a bit of a risk that, that it does actually devalue it? If it's seen, if DNI is seen as part of a much bigger regulatory compliance regime, isn't there a risk that DNI just becomes one of those boxes to be ticked? I think so. And, and that, that, that to me is, is the worry that I've got about it is that there is, we've seen it happen before, you know, as soon as something um, goes on, Me Too, Black Lives Matter, as soon as something big hits, there's a massive scramble to try and understand what the root causes are. But there's also a massive scramble to have a silver bullet quick fixes. And so it seems like for a lot of businesses, the, the trend um, was to you know, show that they were doing the right things by saying this is all part of ESG, which you know, it might be for some, but there are tons of different types of businesses around the world that aren't massive corporates, that aren't big global international things, that are now, you know, as suppliers, you know, small medium enterprise businesses are being held to account for bigger corporate goals. And is that the same? Because now no one's talking about DNI in the same way. They're talking about ESG, which may or may not mean anything to those little companies that haven't gotten on to the big ESG train. So where is DNI for them? And I think that's that's the thing that I'm worried about is by badging it as something different, we take the focus off of what it should have been about. Mm. But coming back to your point, Simon, about whether putting it under ESG just makes it all about compliance and reactivity. Mm. I'm a little bit more optimistic. I just think it's a question of where we're at in the evolution of this phrase and this concept. I do think that, yes, the immediate response from leaders is to react, to respond, to make sure they cover cover themselves uh, and put in place compliance measures to make sure they're doing the right thing by uh, in terms of ESG. I think after that, the next stage that naturally comes is then what opportunities does this present? How can I take advantage of being a, you know, a leader in environment and, you know, how I treat my workforce, how I engage with my communities? There are so many opportunities there. And I do think that's just a case of time. And I think this is the first stage in the reaction. Comply first. And then I think there'll be the people, businesses will start to recognize the huge opportunities to differentiate, to add value through those ESG limbs. I really, I really like that optimism and I actually do think that we are starting to see exactly what you're describing. So when we look at the reporting that companies are doing, it, it isn't um, just talking about the, the sort of have we ticked that box. They are starting to use the narrative to, to actually say what they're doing that might, might change things in the future. Of course there is the fear mm. that if you overcommit and underachieve, you're going to be held to account in the future. Yeah. So I think there is worry about, about that. But I agree we are starting to see big ambitions coming through. But the way you're both talking about it, is it any different to the arguments for the pros and cons of using quotas and targets? So it's all about mm. how it's used to drive short-term change for long-term gain. Mm. So actually, is ESG coming at a good time for DNI? because it's adding more weight to the discussion at a senior stakeholder level, mm. um, providing it doesn't have the consequences Daniel was talking about for businesses who aren't at the position yet to start focusing on ESG and they're still at the DNI stage. I think it I think a lot of it depends on how it is enacted and 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 what people do with it. Mm. So if you if you're one of those businesses that is being hit by these these forces and you need to comply and you need to report is that as far as it goes or 
or is it actually do you internalize and really think about your systems and the whole point of you needing to report on those things did that actually somehow get brought back in and change and the the reason why i'm asking that is because we we see in the reporting that these things who do they go to in these businesses or to these regulators do they go to people that are actually dni knowledgeable or is it just somebody that is ticking off whatever was given to them to say that they comply with whatever this thing is, which won't end up moving a culture? So I think that you have to, it's about how you you move with these things, how you engage with them, not just that you do them. Yeah, and you're right. And that goes back to Simon's earlier point about how we're seeing these things be reported on mm. separately, somewhere else, prepared by someone else. So on that note, I think I'm gonna end it there. It's clearly one of those topics that sparks discussion on lots of different topics, whether that's data, accountability, remuneration and reward, governance and reporting. And that goes back to our earlier discussion around whether actually DNI fits within the S, the E or the G, or does that even matter? And I think what we've concluded is that it doesn't. It is about what you actually do with it rather than trying to pigeonhole it into one of the three limbs. It is a really evolving topic, so we'd be really keen to hear your views and your feedback on what we've spoken about. And if you have any queries, then please do come and speak to one or all four of us. But for now, thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next podcast.